Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome back, Scarleteers, to the podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Lindsay. And we are talking about the first half of season three, episodes one, two, and three. And we have a special guest with us, a fan, talking about the first three episodes. We have Susie from California. Welcome, Susie. Yay! Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. It's going to be a fun one. Um, so how did you find Miss Scarlet and the Duke? And what what do you love about Miss Scarlet? I don't exactly remember when I found it, but I, I think I was a little bit late to the party. Um, I love PBS Masterpiece Theater. And so I think it was one of those that came up recommended you might like. Um, mm-hmm. But I absolutely love it. I always love... Um, period pieces. And I'm a huge Jane Austen fan. Mm. I love a strong female character. And when I found out that, you know, Eliza was named after my favorite, you know, Pride and Prejudice, Eliza, and then, um, you know, Scarlet from Gone with the Wind. I mean, that, that just really got me. So I absolutely love the show. All right, good. So what is your one favorite thing about the show like if you could take something home from the Miss Scarlet and the Duke world whether it's person or an object or like a case what is your one favorite thing so far about the show I I just I don't think you'd say one favorite thing but um it has everything it has a little bit of the romance it has the you know puzzle figuring out the mystery but I love the humor yes yeah. yeah, I think that's a, probably a top five for most people, the humor of it all. If you all right. could talk to any character, which one would it be? Oh, maybe Moses. I oh, want to know more about Moses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, hmm, who would I talk to? Yeah, that's a good answer. Invite <laughs> right, Moses round for tea. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So who, Lindsay, who would you talk to? Oh, I think it would have to be Eliza. Mm-hmm. Just because I have so many questions for her. <laughs> yeah. Put her but yeah, I'd love to I'd love to sit down, but I'd have to have Ivy there and Ivy can make the cake. <laughs> well yeah. I'll go to Eliza's house. I'll I'll sit in the drawing room with Eliza and, and Ivy can bring us tea. Because I can them, I can, I can chat with both of them. Yeah. There you go. All right. So we're going to. What about you, Amanda? Oh, definitely Moses. Definitely. You know me. (laughs) You have to ask. That's true. Definitely Moses. Um, although maybe Fitzroy, Fitzroy Moses, why I'm boxing, I would. (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Well, not not for that reason, although that's (laughs) definitely a bonus, but. I was just saying, like, a two, uh, that would be a, a situation that they would both be in. That would be the reason, not the shirtless reason. Like I said, <laughs> that would be a bonus. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about season three, episodes one, two, and three. So we're going to get right down to it. 
So season or season one, season three, episode one is called The Vanishing. And the synopsis is a famous magician does the ultimate disappearing act and vanishes into thin air. All of London is talking about the mystery and Eliza is hired by a newspaper to investigate, despite the fact that the Duke is already on the case. Okay, so that is the synopsis for episode one. What did you think about episode one? Go first, Susie. What was your what was your first reaction to episode one? We are back, season three. What are your thoughts? I liked it. Um, I thought it was absolutely hilarious with the mug shots at the beginning. Yes, I <laughs> love the mug shots. I must Inspector Wellington immediately, there's been a terrible mistake. And and you see their faces like, oh, it says everything. Like my favorite was Clementine, like her little expression, like, <laughs> you know, like, hmm, Typical Clementine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Barnabas is just outraged and that damn woman, you know, it's just, it was such a great beginning. And then it was fun when, I don't know if we all realized that was their birth date on their mugshot. So then I had to figure out their ages. And yeah, was, I loved fun. the mugshots and the fact that we got their birth dates and the fact that we got the photograph of their outrage. I mean, it was just a phenomenal opening for season one. I think all of their season openings with season one, two, and three just start off with a bang. I mean, like literally the theme song starts off with a bang, but yeah. the, you know, just the season openings are just memorable. You know, we got <laughs> the fight scene, the pigeons, and now we got the mug shots with their birthdays. And it's, you just, you're going to remember them because they're just great. And it was funny because you have their reactions that are so predictable. You know, like you said, Clementine's like smirk and, you know, Barnabas's outrage and Ivy just be like kind of upset. And Eliza's like, I need to speak to Inspector Welling. You know, it's just, it was great. It was great. It was great. It was great. Lindsay. I'd love to know more about the case that she was working on that ended up landing them there. No kidding. I, I don't think we ever really find out why or what happened to land them in there. I mean, William seems to get them out and off the hook pretty darn sharpish and, and pretty easily, to be honest. Um, when he, cause I, I love the fact that they're walking through Scotland Yard and he's kind of, she's trying to defend herself as he's reeling off the charges. And you just think he's managed to get them off the hook very quickly. Like, mm. you just know, it, surely somebody at some point is going to be putting their hands up going, right, you've let, these people off the hook an awful long times no kidding um, so yeah I just I just think it is all I love the fact that it's all completely in character but I would have liked a little bit more information about what what they were actually doing I mean I did sort of expect that we would find it out and that this them kind of in the mugshot would have something to do with the case that was the coming case. on so yeah, I was a little bit nice yeah I was a little bit confused when it was kind of glossed over yeah yeah well she does Um, eliza does mention that there's something about ivy's old school teacher having her identity and being still alive and clementine pickpocketed a a governor i think and yeah yeah, um, i don't really know what yeah i don't really know what solomon had to do with it i don't know 
came into it yeah, because that wasn't but, really mentioned. Well, yeah. it's public disorder. Public disorder pretending mm-hmm. to be intoxicated. Uh, <laughs> I would love to have seen this. Mm, <laughs> yes. A fan needs to write this one. Mm-hmm. Yes, I definitely another fan think, fiction. Yeah, I think that it would have been really nice to see all of them working together on a case. Yeah. Um, and and obviously I'm I am a little bit confused because poor Barnabas had absolutely nothing to do with it. He was literally just wrong place at the wrong time. So I do feel a little bit sorry that he couldn't have just pulled that I'm the coroner card. You cannot arrest me and get get yeah. him, at least get himself out. But I wonder yeah. if maybe he stuck around to you know support oh, Ivy because she looked terrified. Yeah. Well, it would have been nice, like you said, to see the case because you know in past episodes and in the group not episodes but podcast episodes Mm -hmm. we talk about and in the group we've talked about how we would have liked to see ivy work with eliza on a case and here we Mm -hmm. kind of get the thing that you know the kind of backstory not backstory but like the impression impression. that she's working with eliza on a case and yeah we don't get the well what is the case you know it would have been really nice to see it or at least hear about it kind of secondhand of yeah what Eliza is doing with yeah because in season two yeah. although Ivy works works a case for Eliza she's not actually working with her with, so yeah. yeah it would be nice to see the two of them actually working on a case together yeah and that bond that they have that is really close I can imagine it being even better yeah just creating more of a strong bond so yeah, it would have been nice, but I really did enjoy that first bang of a opener because it, mm-hmm. it was funny. Just the mug shots. I mean, I'm surprised we didn't get it earlier, but I'm glad we got it now. Yeah, this is true, and it did take me a while to work out that those numbers were were dates. It was their birthdays. <laughs> I think, you think I, they I, were. Well, I think at first I thought they they were the date that they were being arrested. And then I was like, no, that doesn't work. And I just think, I think my brain then went, oh, it's just a, a jumble of numbers. It's like mm-hmm. a, a code, a, you know, yeah. and, like and yeah, for some reason. Number or... Yeah, like, a, yeah, just like a reference number or something. And it just it had no, didn't dawn on me <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, Lindsay, we love you. I know, I know. Well, I, ha- I thought it was a first. I thought mm-hmm. it was a reference number at first, too, till I watched it the second time. So you're not oh. alone, Lindsay. <laughs> nope. I Thank immediately you. was like, oh, those are those ages. And I wanted to like, uh, screenshot yeah. it, but I, it was like one in the morning and I was like, I, nope, I'm watching this. I'm not going. Uh, somebody will screenshot it and. And then it took forever. (laughs) (laughs) To eventually say, uh, uh, what are these numbers? And yeah. So the group in Facebook did, you know, bring it up, figure it out. So we have everybody's ages and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, we got Clementine's last name. Yep. Yeah. um, Clementine Briggs. Briggs, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because a Brig is a military prison. So... I mean, I don't know if that was on purpose, but it kind of made me smirk. So, okay. So William gets them out of jail. And so then the episode starts. And so the case, let's talk about the case. It's the case of the missing magician. 
So the magician is having his final act, and then he, like, literally disappears. What did you guys think of the case? Because I, I mean, I found it it was interesting. It held my interest. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I liked the way it kind of un, unraveled. You know, it, it was nicely paced and, and kind of intermixed with, with the other scenes. Yeah, it was... It, in some ways, I think that because the the setup of the mugshots and everything sounded so interesting that when it turned out to be kind of a disappearing magician, it was kind of like, oh, okay, okay, I thought we'd get something different. But yeah. um, I thought it would be like a continuation of how they landed up in jail. But yeah, um, yeah it's interesting. We, you know, we never actually know who the magician really is because obviously he he turns up dead so we never meet him mm-hmm. um which is again a little bit bizarre because you kind of don't necessarily have any connection to him yeah and it, it's funny because obviously Eliza gets the case because she she go or she she wants to get um some advertising with Basil Sinclair which I always think is very bizarre um, bearing yeah. in mind when we last saw him in season two, she's kind of sitting on the edge of William's desk going, I'm never going to trust that toad again. Yes. And she doesn't seem very untrusting. Like, I, yeah, it, I, it throws I me a little bit. I was surprised that she worked with him again. I mean, I know she needs the publicity, but I was really surprised that she decided to trust Basil again because. Yeah. She was burned so hard in season two. I'm like, why do you think you would change? Do you think that? Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like there's a couple themes in this episode. And one is her ambition. Mm -hmm. And I I wonder, that's what I wrote, that, you know, she should know better. But, oh, that 2,000 viewers or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. it just drew her in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100% I think it does kind of show she really does want to and yes she probably doesn't trust him 100% but I'm not sure the show kind of like if he'd have been really apologetic and was like even if it was a fake apology kind of saying oh I know the last time we you know we worked I I was helping Nash blah 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 I think we probably would have helped us kind of go okay yeah she's she's putting that to one side but um it was very glossed over what happened in season yeah. two which is very bizarre but i'll take it i'm you know it's fine i quite like basil he's uh <laughs> he, he's fun so you know he can he, i don't <sighs> mind if he comes back and i i oh, i was expecting yeah <laughs> i was expecting her to kind of really really show him up but it's interesting what you say about her ambition and how ambitious she is and she's willing to kind of work with him that when he does sort of double cross her a little bit. It it almost shows that there is a limit to what she will do because, you know, she, she basically ruins it herself by not finding a way to work nicely by just going, I'm not working with a washed up hack. Goodbye. And and then yeah. you're like, oh, ouch, Eliza. You yeah. know, she does have some morals and she does have a, a limit of what she's going to do. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, you really want this and you really wanted this viewership and everything, but your own obstinance of I'm of all of this um, kind of put her on your back foot. 
Yeah. And when she finds the evidence of that wand, was it mm-hmm. the key was in his shoe or something, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And she knows she's suppo- her moral compass there. She knows she's supposed to tell William or tell the police, but then Basil convinces her not to, you know? Yeah. And she I think it's a really key. Swayed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also think he has a very key line where she's kind of saying, oh, I should tell William and, and Basil kind of ends up saying, well, yeah, you, you could, you could do it. And you end up being a footnote in his story. And that line, I'm kind of paraphrasing there, but I just think that line is, is very important um, for kind of what comes next over the course of the episodes that, you know, she doesn't want to be a footnote in somebody else's story. And, right. and, I find that quite interesting and that's a, a, a great motivator for Eliza. Yeah, we've seen that in all the seasons that it's her ambition that drives her to do things, make the money, not have a relationship with William to kind of alienate herself to drive her business and her <laughs> agency. It's all her ambition. Yeah. And that's what gets her friends arrested, you know? Yeah. And she doesn't take responsibility for it. She blames that on Moses, right? If, yep. if Moses had been here, this would yep. never have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when Ivy, you know, is talking to her about how upset she is and how upset Barnabas is, all Eliza can do is just saying, you know, I just need more workers. I need more money. I need a bigger agency. If I just had more workers and I had a da 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 you know she's not thinking about who she hurt she just is seeing her ambitions of a bigger agency she just needs more she needs more she needs more you know and that you know is a point kind of a strike against the character of Eliza that you know she she needs to see that her ambitious her ambition hurts people and that she needs to pull back a little bit in moments like that that you can be ambitious but you need to edit when and where like read the room yeah and just hold off on a moment it's she just spent five minutes with ivy saying you know i'm calm down let's have tea i'm really sorry let me da 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 instead of just like singular focus on her agency she yeah. seems to have a difficulty of putting herself in somebody else's shoes sometimes. And I think she's been arrested so many times. It kind <laughs> of doesn't faze her. You know, yeah, it doesn't bother be. her. And I don't think she necessarily appreciated that this is the first time that Ivy's got been in this position and how kind of scary that must have been for her. And mm-hmm. I do like that little scene in the kitchen with Ivy and, and Eliza. And Eliza's just like completely blinders on to it all and I think Ivy's sitting there going oh she's curbed her she's curbed her ambition this is this has had an impact on her and then she's like nope I'm going to the bank to get a loan and Ivy's just like oh really yeah (laughs) I find that hilarious Mm. yeah but yeah it's it's funny I mean I love the fact that Ivy is using her newfound skills for reading Oh yeah, old law books. Yeah, I love that. Like, Didn't like that. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant, and you could you can almost see just 
and, and one of the things that I really love about the show is that just these one little liners just gives you such an insight into the character because you can see that Ivy is probably quite worried about Eliza and knows she doesn't always go about things in perhaps the right way. Mm-hmm. And she probably is worrying a little bit about what sort of trouble she's going to get herself into when she gets arrested. Yeah. What happens when there comes a point where William can't get her out of something? A bit like in the third episode of season two, where she's wrongfully accused. But at the same time, you can see that Ivy's going to be worried about this, that there mm-hmm. may come a day where Eliza's going to, you know, bite off more, sh- more than she can chew. It's a way to show her concern without nagging of like, stay home, don't do this. It's like, oh, I read in the law journal that, you know, it's kind of like saying, hey, watch what you're doing without, you know, nagging and wagging a finger in her face, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I also think, though, that Ivy is... Um, her brain is expanding ever since she learned to read and write. Like she's this whole new character. She's like, she's so smart. And, and like when she, you know, when we got to see her last season pretending, you know, acting when she met Barnabas, you know, her, like a few fans have said, Oh, I think Ivy should work with um, Eliza more, you know, Mm -hmm. I think we have a lot to see from Ivy coming in the next season. I hope. Oh, me too. I yeah. Yeah. Um, in season one, we just see her, you know, making tea, cooking, sewing. But yeah, in season two and season three, she has grown so much. She's talking more. And I know that's Rachel writing for her, but she's talking more. She's interacting more. She's doing more. She's, you know, she has a suitor. And yeah. It's it's really nice to see her grow as a person. And I think, yeah, kind of with the writing, it's given her self-confidence. And, yeah. you know, she she's become a whole new person. And maybe, I mean, she's always self-confident, but she's maybe more self-confident out in the world, out by herself. When she had to go to William and say, Eliza's missing in season two. Maybe that helped her self-confidence. So, yeah, yeah, it's really nice to see Ivy's character growth (laughs) in season three. Yeah. Anything else about the case in episode one? Well, the whole um, Scotland Yard not supposed to be talking to the journalists. (laughs) I don't think I would have ever known that police did that. You know, (laughs) these things on the side, you know. And of course, Fitzroy. Oh, uh-huh, Fitzroy. What does he say? Oh, sir, I have a I have a friend who's a critic. You know, in, in my <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I go to the opera with him, or can I do it cancel on? Uh, I'm surprised that he hasn't learned to not ask those type of questions <laughs> in front of the other men. <laughs> I know. Oh, but like, he's so honest me. and pure. Just yes, he's pure. You're right. Yeah, he is such uh, a little sweetheart, and and I think it's nice that he's continued to kind of grow and develop. And uh, yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that little relationship that he and he and um, William are kind of developing. It's that kind of brotherly uncle best friend kind of um, friendship that they've got. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I know in past episodes when we talked about cases in season two, we used the phrase uh, caseless case. Yeah. And I think that kind of is with season one, too, because the magician really hasn't vanished. We Mm -hmm. find out that he's dead. And it's not that he was murdered. It was suicide. It just, you had to fit the puzzle pieces in to kind of see the whole picture. And so it was kind of a caseless case. And I think that's maybe something Rachel cleverly writes for us. Like, oh, it's really a good murder mystery. And it's something that we don't see. Like, it's not just a gunshot wound or a bang, a, mm-hmm. you know, bang to the head and dumped in the river kind of thing. It's, you know, it's very smart for us. And it was nice to see William and Eliza working together like it Definitely. was in season one, you know, and it, mm-hmm. there was no like really like butting head. I mean, there was that general butting of heads that they do, but it was not just the angry. Work together though, right? At the beginning, they were keeping information from each other, right? Well, they yeah. always do that, but yeah, know, because they always want to be one up on each other. And then they work together, you know, they helped with the wands and they went to the magic shop together and, you know, and so it was nice to see them together again, which I think we all missed in season two. And because the show yeah. is Miss Scarlet and the Duke, not Miss mm. Scarlet period and the Duke period. We need the and. I think it's interesting that William treats Eliza exactly how he treats his men in the sense that in this occasion he's not stopping her to work with him because he doesn't want to work with her or he's annoyed with her or you know or because he doesn't think she's worthy he he is treating her like he would his men in the sense that he's told them he's laid down the law you you don't start giving tip-offs to the press and you know, I find it really interesting, you know, that whole little bit where she's like trying to worm her way into the into the uh, theatre. And he's like, don't William me. He's like, don't flatter your eyelids at me, love. I'm, you know, if you want to mm-hmm. be treated like a professional, I will treat you like a professional, but I'm going to treat you like I treat my men. And I've said no to them and I'm going to say no to you. And I kind of I appreciate that he doesn't fold. He doesn't just go, OK, because it's you. Come on in, you know. Yeah, well, I think he, he's he does learned a little bit later since down the line. season one. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. a little bit. There's a bit more of a of a backbone to him. She needs to work a little bit more than just flutter her eyelids in in some ways. Um, well, I think he even the- calls it, calls her out on it uh, when they're outside um, the theater. And yeah, he goes, oh, I can't believe you said that, or da da da. And he goes, I don't know if you're genuinely shocked or you know hurt or if that's just a phrase and she goes and she goes I thought he said I thought so and mm-hmm. he turns around yeah are you trying to make me feel guilty because I've said no yeah and um yeah it's I, I like the little mention of Henry though because I, I think season two Henry was kind of slightly forgotten and he's mentioned a little bit more during season three so I like that little yeah. mention it reminds us that they have this connection with him I was a little bit disappointed that Eliza seems to be painted as she's not that bothered about them having dinners together in the sense they they must have had some sort of agreement to have dinners because they are apparently having dinner every 
what every when last Wednesday every of month. every month. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like a long-standing. Had. Yeah, it's not just like oh, this is a new thing and you've forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Because we the one thing I I we don't know how much time has passed from season two to season three, and um, I, I I don't know if it feels a bit weirder because season two has aired uh, season three sorry has aired so quickly after season two that season two is still quite fresh in our minds. And I think my other thing was I, I kind of thought because season two and season three were filmed together, that there would be more of a flow between the two, that there would be some sort of continuation and the characters would kind of grow from season two to season three. And it kind of feels like whatever happened in season two, it happens in season two, but it's all very standalone. And then season three is very standalone. They don't kind of, it hasn't flowed as well for me. Um, that yeah. these two they obviously have some sort of dinner but Eliza keeps forgetting or she keeps putting him off or or whatever and it it didn't feel like they obviously had this she's had this moment in the carriage at the end of season two where she's kind of getting upset because she thinks he's left and we're not really clear what she's upset about but obviously she goes to kind of tell him something and then she doesn't for whatever reason and yeah so it kind of feels a little bit a little bit weird don't yeah. know if that's yeah. just me yeah, it just no, seems it, like they're friendly as opposed to awkward potential. Yeah, yeah. The only romance I really felt was right at the end when she tells him she's going to take him to dinner. There's that little bit of uh, warmth there. And not even quite almost flirtatious, maybe. Just barely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like, um, like you said, that caseless case, this episode maybe Rachel had an agenda with showing Eliza's ambition could lead to problems and then you have the um her name was Melina the daughter of Mm -hmm. the rival yeah and William admires her and says oh she's an ambitious young lady she'll do well in life and I thought Mm -hmm. okay so William you do like ambitious women or you do think that's admirable and then he says something like, I just hope that um, her six, her desire for success doesn't consume her. But of course, we know he's also talking about Eliza, you know. Yeah, and she thinks he's talking, not he talking about himself, but and she said, see, William, you don't, work shouldn't consume you or something. She, he said, I yeah. wasn't talking about me. Like right at the Once end. Again, yeah. yeah. Once again, she doesn't get it. <laughs> yes. It's quite interesting. It's interesting yeah. that he says that because Melina doesn't seem that ambitious. Maybe me. She obviously has learned from Alfonso, but she doesn't seem like she's, you know, pushing against her father who just thinks she should be a lowly assistant. Does that make sense? Like you'd think it if she was really seem... ambitious, she wouldn't have killed off Alfonso. She would have taken up his mantle. And maybe sure. move to a different theatre and she'd become the star of Alfonso again. And yeah. she'd become you'd think if she was that ambitious that she wouldn't she wouldn't have respected him and, and let him have his final wish of his ultimate disappearing act. Um so I find it quite interesting that he says, Oh, she's quite an ambitious person because I'm like, Oh, I didn't I didn't get that she wanted to be the star of the show in some ways. Hmm. Yeah. Um I just saw her as like ambitious as in the sense of just wanting to know things and be a part of things and build these magical objects and you know not necessarily be the star of and take over yeah 
like that ambition. And she's obviously incredibly talented. If she's built the the whole um, box that the magician has his final act in, yeah. you, know, you kind of think she's pretty. She must be pretty talented to build something like that. Um, yeah. But we we see this a lot in the whole um, series of women being put down, and I feel like her father, you know, Melina's father, the rival of Alfonso, I can't think of his name. He represses her. Yes, hundred percent. He had a weird name because it was like it wasn't a very magician name. I was gonna say, did he have one? That's that's. Uh, it me. was. <laughs> Uh, hang on. It's some of the S or Z, like oh, yeah, I can't remember. Um, the scissors. I know it was. That's a, that's S- a great name. There. Great um, name. Um. Uh. Let's see if I can find it. Hang on. Um. I, I don't even remember. But I thought it was no. very. Um, not smart. Clever of Eliza to oh, look Slavin at the sorcerer. Slavins, yeah, oh, Slavin the sorcerer. Right. That's not like that a magic name. Fast. That's like a wizard name, and magicians yeah. aren't wizards. Slavin the sorcerer. I'd have been like, what am I look watching here? You know, like, yeah, Slavin the sorcerer. See, that's why I see S's. You got me <laughs> laughing, Lindsay. So it, it just makes me think of that tongue twister she sells she sells yeah slapping the sorcerer sells she sells on the seashore there you go um <laughs> but i thought it was very clever that mm. um eliza saw the drawing of the night mm-hmm. of the last um magic show and noticed the wand Mm-hmm. was a different color and then like saw the advertisement drawing and noticed that was a different color and I would be like maybe just the artist didn't notice and I would totally be like that's not a thing and <laughs> the whole case wouldn't have gone anywhere and that is why you are not the private detective exactly. and she is <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, that's why I'm not a PI um, but yeah, I, I genuinely, I, I enjoyed this episode. I think it it was fun. It was funny. It had some lovely moments. It had a lot of, you know, I mean, uh, the one thing that we seem to have glossed over is Moses boxing shirtless. I mean, yeah. I thought know. we talked about at the beginning. Um, hello. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, uh, that deserves its own podcast to? in itself. Okay, that's the <laughs> next episode, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about Mark, Moses <laughs> and a shirtless scene. I will talk talk about it uh, millisecond by millisecond. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, Moses is in it. And we we do, you know, I I love the fact that he's the one who's kind of helping Eliza get into places. And, you know, it's it it encompassed everything that I love about Miss Scarlet. It has, you know, a, a case. It's, you know, got a bit of William and Eliza. It's got Ivy. It's got Moses. It's got Mr. Potts. It's it's it just it has a happy ending it's just kind of got everything that I'm like yeah I'll take that ticks all my boxes I like that yeah. one yeah um, with Moses it was it, it's very telling that William goes to Moses with Fitzroy mm-hmm. and 
it shows that while William and Moses may not get along, William does trust Moses with his mm-hmm. most prized humans. I, can't, yep. I guess you would say because he allows Moses to protect Eliza and he's saying, okay, now teach Fitzroy to protect himself. And so mm-hmm. it's so almost like Moses buddies, is, but yeah, it's know. like Moses has done enough to prove that he is not. William the was criminal, wrong about yeah. him in his first impression of him. He may and, be a mysterious man doing bad things, but he is in the middle, ooey gooey. Love, he's trustworthy. He's a good man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this first episode made me really think that we are hearkening back to what season one felt like in general. Just yeah. the good case. We got the good secondary characters. Eliza and William are working together. And I think we're off on a good start. I was happy Definitely. with him. Yeah. Anything else, Susie, you want to talk about with episode one? Um, just I had written down another funny thing was um when Ivy was spouting off law cases, you know, her information on law, and Eliza said something like, Why can't you just be a normal person and read Dickens or Austin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. I don't know if do you think Eliza reads Dickens and Austin? I wouldn't think well, so. Well, you no, know, she read a quarter to midnight in that whole yeah. series. <laughs> so, yeah, it just, it shows just their relationship. And like Lindsay said, we just get these one-liners that show how, you know, they're just their humanity. That's not the right word. Like just how human they are, I guess. Yeah. Not how human it, I think the, the right word, but yeah. I think the only other thing to mention on the episode is obviously William somehow manages to get uh, Basil to not write a story destroying Eliza. And, you know, I think that's, it shows a lot. He's quietly working away in the background. Like he's never gonna, I think he knows that she wouldn't want him to stomp in with his size nines and protect her or whatever but he quietly works his way in the background to kind of, you know, he's not going to let her get her reputation destroyed. And I think that that shows what a good heart he has for her. I love the fact that when he walks in, she's sitting in his chair. I think that is so cool. I'm just yeah. like, that is, that is lovely. I find that quite amusing in the way he, he's not even surprised to see her sitting there. Like it's almost like he expected it, which kind of, again, it harps back to the season one episode four where he walks in and she's kind of sitting there it's like oh have you read the article all about you and I'm not mentioned and you know here we go we've got another article all about him and she's not mentioned and but in a good you know, way she, yeah I mean it kind of saves her reputation I feel bad in a way for Eliza because she really did wanted that you know the what, what she was got wanting willing to compromise in a way to get those articles written about herself you kind of feel a bit sorry for her because I always wonder this is another point I might add she didn't actually get paid she still continued to work on this case but with absolutely Basil was not going to 
pay her and he wasn't going to write a story he was going to destroy her and yet she still goes to William she says sorry I like you know it's it's a little half-hearted and you know it's almost like he kind of was just like okay you know it's nice that he doesn't hold a grudge about it but you know and but she continues to work she wants to know the outcome regardless of the fact that she's not going to get paid which I find is quite interesting because she could have just washed her hands of it all and forgotten about it but actually that's not who she is she wants to find out the answers yeah she's not in it for the money yeah she's not in it for the money she she wants to solve it she Mm -hmm. wants to get to the bottom of things yeah that that and ambition Mm -hmm. yeah but yes Okay, so episode two. Lindsay, what does episode two, what is episode two about? So episode two is entitled Arabella. And Mm. it says, uh, Eliza bumps into Arabella Herbert, the girl who made her life a misery growing up. But as an adult, Arabella seems kind and considerate and everybody loves her. So when Eliza suspects that she may be a criminal, nobody wants to hear it, least of all the Duke. Oh, I mean, that opening, the way they walk into that restaurant. I, if anybody else wasn't sitting there with goo-goo eyes, you're just not a shipper, I'm sure. Yeah. I was just like, oh, you're so cute. I know. Yeah. I think it was everything all of us wanted in season mm-hmm. two. Um, I just wish we could all go back and just pretend that it, it was, was real it was real and that we just want some more of that and just I felt really yeah. sorry for William in the sense that when he is explaining the case to her and why they're in this restaurant for dinner I was like it sounds so vague it almost sounds like you've completely made up this case or we may have to you know play the long game and have multiple dinners just to get her to have dinner with him and I'm like or remember to have dinner with him and I kind of think that really does paint Eliza a little bit heartlessly, a little bit, I think. I felt really bad. But she doesn't, she's not an uncaring person and she must know that, you know, the fact that he's having dinner with her means he wants to spend time with her. And she's, sounds, it makes her sound like she's being a little bit cavalier by, you know, not necessarily remembering or encouraging. But, you know, it was, I, I love those, that little bantery moment and, it's just a shame it got in it was so brief yeah yeah I I, moment. I thought I wrote the notes down here about I thought thought the same thing Lindsay that he wanted to have time with Eliza where mm-hmm. she could put that that blue dress on you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we may we may need to become regulars he said you know we're gonna need to come here and do this for a while you know but yeah, I think the underlining message was he wants to spend time with her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just a hint, because this will come up later. Um, he says, uh, if we were married, I would be drinking whiskey. <laughs> just to point that out, remember that one for a future note. Yes. Hmm. But then, of course, uh, Eliza being <laughs> Eliza, is she's distracted by something. And of course, it is the very beautiful and lovely... We're going to go with inverted commas. Lovely Arabella, who is, of course, her childhood enemy. And if you're not, if you are new to the show and you're thinking, I don't understand who she is. If you go back to uh, season one, episode one in flashback with Henry and young Eliza, 
she is the 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 other girl who's basically beat Eliza up because um she she called Eliza a motherless pig, which is not particularly nice and obviously has has you know made Eliza's childhood a little bit unhappy and a, you know she's kind of her bully but as an adult when we meet her she seems very lovely and very charming and and yeah as the synopsis says everybody kind of seems to love her and Eliza's not buying it for a second because yeah. you know when you do I can appreciate that yeah I mean she really brings out the worst in Eliza and we definitely we kind of go oh Eliza that's a bit much I mean we don't blame Eliza because Arabella really was nasty to her in their school days but she really does make Eliza seem really just vindictive and just not she doesn't come off well and it it pulls her down in William's Mm -hmm. eyes and it's a hard episode to watch you know because we're like Eliza you're better than this just take a breath and don't let her ruffle your feathers but I mean it's very painful this episode and part of me kept saying of course I didn't believe anything Arabella said I strongly dislike her you know I did rewatch um episode one of season one I think everybody should go back and rewatch that scene and how hurt she was but part of me also said can you just let it go can you she can't she can't let things go yeah yeah I think it's nice in a way that the show has let Eliza be wrong. I found that quite refreshing that, you know, Eliza is flawed. Like normally she's cool, she's calm, she's collected and she's, you know, she's switched on. And it was interesting to watch her be flustered and, and get it wrong. And I also like the fact that William is quite calm he isn't, I, I feel like he's kind of learned that shouting at her and yelling at her and locking her in prison isn't the right way to go about it. Because I like the fact that he is quite calm with her throughout the episode. It's almost like he kind of, I get it. But like you say, honey, she's, this is, this is years ago that this happened. You're not even giving her a chance as an adult. And maybe you should. Maybe she's not the same as she is as a child. You're, we could be talking like 10, 15 years ago that Eliza's going back to and, you know, you're not even giving her a chance. And, you know, yes, Arabella has this this charm about her. She's very beautiful. And, you know, sometimes you listen to some of the things she says in the episodes, like when she's talking about her office and how small it is. And, you know, Eliza's going, oh, you think this is small? You should see my office. And it's interesting that Arabella and Eliza are very, very similar in the fact they both have their own business. They're both struggling to pay the bills. They're both trying to kind of keep it all together. It, it, they are in on paper very in very similar positions, but they work very differently to get there. Um, and it's it's very it's very complex I love the fact that one of my favorite scenes is Eliza sitting in Arabella's office trying desperately not to look in the safe and she's like don't Mm -hmm. do it don't do it and you just know you just know that she is going against every single 
bone in her body that she's just kind of trying to ignore that gut that says something's not right and and bless her I it's it was it's it's sad and it's painful and but at the same time I do I do appreciate that the show let her be wrong for once because Mm. very rarely when you watch a tv show do you actually see that person get it wrong well I wouldn't say she was fully wrong wrong. yeah I would say she her instincts were half right because she was saying Arabella did this well I don't think she was doing exactly what you were saying but she was kind of doing something that was parallel like she was stealing jewels no she wasn't she stealing, wasn't stealing. Jewels. it was her, she was she, she was, was selling just, her own stuff re, yeah she was just making fakes and reselling stuff you know kind of so Eliza's instincts were wrong they just weren't right yeah <laughs> you know there's and nothing so illegal think, about yeah, it it's nothing yeah. illegal it's so it's you know, Arabella, she seems, she's lovely, she's very charming, she's very sweet, you know, she's kind of soft-spoken, you know, everything Eliza is not. We see Eliza's blonde, she's got these very muted clothes, Arabella's tall, brunette, bright clothes, you know, very polar opposite. On the surface, Arabella is very ambitious, and so, like Lindsay said, Eliza and Arabella are very similar. They're very ambitious. They have their own businesses. They're striving to pay the bills, striving to be successful. Yet they're very different. Arabella, Arabella still can't let go like Eliza. Arabella is still jealous of Eliza. She mm-hmm. can't let go. Oh, do you remember when? Crawling through the, the mud and the sludge. You remember when you burnt that Victoria sponge, all her remember when stories mm-hmm, mm-hmm. knocked Eliza down, you know, yep, and yep. they were always in front of William. And so Arabella couldn't let go, just like Eliza can't let go. And so they were very similar in the same sense as well. And uh, I just, they don't. I don't like Arabella, and I don't think many of us like Arabella. Like I said, she brought out the worst in Eliza, and it was hard mm-hmm. to watch because, you know, as a viewer, we see that Arabella isn't quite as nice as everybody mm-hmm. on the show sees her. And we yep. see that Eliza isn't right like she wants to be. And so it's hard to see that we can't say, okay, I'm on this side this side's right side i'm you know da, da, da. and so it's very hard let's like uh, oh uh, uh, mm, i there's not a right side to be on in this time and mm-hmm. so it's a it's a it's a it's a painful it's a cringe episode there's all sorts of cringe in this episode yeah. i mean yeah. yeah it's just you know and then we see eliza after she storms um, Arabella's soup kitchen saying, you stole the money. It's all you. It's all you. And she goes, Oh, you run a soup kitchen, you know, and it's, she embarrasses herself again in front of William again. And then we see her in the kitchen with Ivy just saying, you know, 
I've made a fool of myself. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to be this jealous person who can't let go of this. It, you know, it's it's all, you know, it's all Arabella. And it's so nice to see this vulnerable, sad Eliza. And I think <laughs> we need to see this more human person that, I mean, we see that, we've seen that she's fallible and we know that she can be wrong. And that she often makes wrong choices. But this is even more human. Like, oh, you know, I, I've i often made a fool of myself and been embarrassed and cried in the kitchen. You know, it's really nice mm-hmm. to see this part of Eliza as well with Ivy. It's just, you know, really nice. And then she goes to make the cake with Ivy and they, you know, work really hard. And that's really see, sweet to see that Ivy cried along with Eliza and that's another wonderful moment that I think Rachel and Patty talked about when they were on our podcast and it's just really nice to see this side of Eliza that we haven't seen before I'm just so glad she has Ivy I thank god she has Ivy when when she says I when they're having that moment in the kitchen and Eliza says something about how she would sometimes pick fights with Arabella and her little posse of mean girls said it there was a comfort in it and and Ivy says well what do you mean and she's like well I never fit in and um, I wanted to give the girls a reason to dislike me not just who I was and gosh that was that was good and I think so many of us watching can identify with that we most people have had the mean girls be mean to us and you know, I'm just so glad she has Ivy and I'm worried if Ivy goes off with Barnabas, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah. 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 I mean, Ivy, I, I like the fact that Ivy has become this confidant for Eliza. Mm-hmm. There is a little bit of a line. There is a, a point where Ivy kind of almost tries to be that sounding board and Eliza kind of shuts it down. But at the same time, this particular moment in the scene, I love the fact that Ivy walks in and is just like, you, if you hit your head, are you all right? Because she's kind of badly baking, baking, burning a cake. And she, I lo- that just made me laugh so much. And it was like that tiny little bit of comedy before your gut wrenching. Oh, yeah. God, this is, you know, it's and I like the fact that Eliza is baking a cake to prove to herself that she can do it. It's not for any other reason, but she needs to prove to herself I can do this. I'm I'm not I'm not what she thinks I am. Um Yeah. And it's it's sweet. It's like I say, it's nice to be able to kind of see that slightly different side to Eliza because usually she is so such a force of nature. And I often think that, you know, it's that when you're rushing around and everybody's going ah, da, 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 and you should, like almost shut the door and just go ah. and you mm-hmm. almost need to see her do that sometimes because she's always rushing around and she's always thinking a mile a minute and she must need to sometimes just sit down and take a breath and that's kind of what I felt like that kitchen scene was is her sitting down taking a breath trying to recuperate herself to kind of go okay this is this is insane like this is and again she doesn't she doesn't earn any money from any of this you know she doesn't she's not being paid to find out what happened to 
you know the missing jewels and everything whether no, william a caseless case well whether william finds a way to pay her through scotland yard i don't know but again it shows that she's not just in it for the money she she wants to she wants to do these cases i mean sometimes i do wonder she does so many of these cases where at the end i'm like how are you paying the bills paid yeah 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 you know it's maybe she's selling off the jewelry and making them fake on that (laughs) i do think it's a little bit of a misdirection from william He's taking her to a restaurant to investigate jewel thieves and he's let her get away with wearing her mother's brooch. I was just like, oh, why not go, hey, wear this one. It's a fake or it doesn't matter if it gets stuff. Why let her wear her mother's brooch? I was just like, oh, my goodness me. But when he does give it back to her, he's like a little puppy. He just wants her to be really happy that he's given it back to her. And let's gloss over the fact the first time he gives it back, it's a fake, but you know, he he just wants her to, to, to be happy that she, he's got it back for her. And again, I kind of, I felt really bad that it's slightly dismissed because she's like, Oh, here, can you go and do this for me? And again, when he goes to her office to tell her that he's found the person that took the brooch and he's like, how are you? And she's all, well, please don't tell me you're just here to check on my health. And I'm like, oh, you poor guy. why can't he just come and check on you? Say, hi, how are you? You know, he's yeah. a friend. Um, and and she she's quite, I do find she's quite dismissive of him in this episode, which again makes yeah. me feel quite sad for both of them. Well, when she does successfully bake the cake she takes it to him and and he goes well you do have domestic skills or i don't know what the phrase was and yeah you know maybe you will have a family yeah or something like that and she says you know don't tease me william and you know you just see him like deflate because a he didn't mean that but b he really did mean that and you know she just like okay maybe she was nervous and she really doesn't want to talk about like your relationship right now and it kind of scares her but he wasn't like down on one knee saying like oh you baked cake marry me now he was just maybe slightly teasing but don't just brush it off and then you get your feelings hurt when Arabella swoops in with all these gorgeous cakes and then he shoves you aside. What are you expecting? Oh, I saw it differently. I, I thought it was so sweet of her to bring that cake to him. She was so proud of herself. And when he says something about, oh, there's a homemaker in you yet. And she's like, oh, don't tease me. I'm, I'm not going to rise to it. Well, of course he knows that. He's not. He shouldn't be surprised. He knows her. She is not going to be a happy homemaker. Maybe she will on occasion. And I think her bringing that cake was, yes, she wanted to prove she could bake a cake, but I, she chose to bring that to William, you know? And then when Arabella comes in, that was, that was one of the most painful scenes ever. It was so sad. And she didn't even make those pastries. She brought her, her chef. (laughs) And she just sort of quietly takes it and, oh God, I think we were all crying inside. That was just awful. Yeah. The fact yeah, that I, I she doesn't bake and cook, she has somebody do it for herself. Yeah, I I really don't like that. That fact gets glossed over. Mm-hmm. You know, See, oh, I, Arabella I, I can cook and bake. No, can she? she? 
no. can she? <laughs> See, I she kind of look at that scene a little bit differently because I don't think, I think that's William kind of projecting his hope for the future. And, you know, we kind of can read between the lines. He's a man of 1882. He does want mm -hmm. to get married. He does want to have a family. And I think that's him, again, my awkwardness on this scene is that it really does make show that we have not, they haven't moved any further forward than season two, episode one. It's still, William has not learned the time mm -hmm. and place for these kind of conversations is not your office with your door open <laughs> where anybody can walk past. You're not going yeah. to get the reaction that you're hoping for. I'm just like, William, what are you doing? But yeah. on the flip side of that, again, she's it's that hand-holding moment where he's kind of putting his heart on his sleeve, kind of hoping that maybe she might give him a sign that it's that constantly, like me, will you like me? Do you like me? And uh -huh. her kind of going, don't she tease me. Smiled. Well, you know, they yeah. can, let, let, let them gossip. We're just two friends. And she's constantly putting him in this box of friend zone. And well, he the is him kind of going, she doesn't, we don't want the same thing. And, you know, he accepts it. He, you know, I th you can see that he's really deflated, but he's, uh, you know, he doesn't, he just accepts that that's who she is. And that well, that is kind of really hard. And again, like Eliza, she, you see her kind of cuddling her cake and she's watching Arabella and you can almost see her little mind ticking of, I'm not going to be the person that he wants me to be. And I can't mm -hmm. be that person. I can't be Arabella. I'm never going to be a person like Arabella who swoops in and, oh, look at all these men and I want to look after you and I want to do all of this. And and, and you kind of go, they, they want such different things in their lives. And we're not really moving anywhere. They're not moving anywhere. And they again it's it's all that mis misreading it, it harps back to Eliza looking at William in season two going oh you know the reason you're not going after this job in Glasgow is because you're content with your life here and you we're all sitting there going he's not content he's really not content yeah. he's lonely he wants somebody to love him and he's lonely and she doesn't see that side because I think Eliza is so comfortable in her own skin she's so comfortable with her own company she's been used to it for so long she doesn't need all these people around her she's she's very much and so she doesn't see that perhaps William he go, must go home to his his little flat all by himself and he must be quite lonely and that's why he's at this stage where he is sitting there thinking well maybe I would like to get married maybe I would like to have a family and that's definitely not on Eliza's radar at all which is and and her you're just teasing me to me I always sit there and think why can't you be honest because actually I think the honest answer for her is I don't know I don't think that she definitely doesn't want a family. I don't think that she definitely does. I think she just doesn't know. It's not on her radar right now. It's not what she's thinking of. And it it's heartbreaking because her, you're just teasing me, almost gives William that sign of she doesn't want what I want. And there's if we can't agree on this, then there's no hope for us. I but agree. It, it, it's very, it, it's so difficult because they do just want very different things in life. However, I I do agree with everything you said there, Lindsay, but he put her in the friend zone in, uh, you know, episode two, season one. And I feel like she was ready to pursue a romance with him. But, you know, 
that didn't on happen her, on her terms on her so, terms it's true on her terms I think that's the problem that Eliza wants everything on her terms and when it comes to a relationship as I'm sure you'll know that you kind of have to compromise it can't always be yeah. one-sided and I think Eliza it shows her inexperience in a relationship that she she doesn't she has blinders on to the fact that you you have to compromise you have to there's give and take and William is the same I think the one thing that for me Rachel has done so well is that both Eliza and William have very complicated problems that you know it's it's not one or the other there's a they've both got their issues yeah and I do agree William's kind of put her in the friend zone and I I I wonder if he regrets that some days I yeah, oh, I bet he does all the time. That was a pretty hot-headed reaction. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because he's obviously changed his mind because they're starting. They start to have dinners again. So you think, you know, at the end of season, t- beginning of season two, when he's like, "No, I've cancelled our dinners." It's like he doesn't want anything to do with her, and he's definitely kind of we're just friends. But to me, yeah. it's the fact that they've kind of arranged dinners and they have monthly dinners suggests, you know. He's he's chilled a bit on that. He's changed, but that's just my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to episode... Oh, can, can I just say... Can oh, I just say... More sure, okay. sure, sure. Because I, I strongly have... I have strong opinions about Arabella. So, you know, the whole fake jewelry thing. I was like, oh, she's a fake. She's like... All that glitters is not gold. That's what Arabella is. She's a liar. She's a fake. You know, she can't even bake her own sponge cake. (laughs) (laughs) I I felt like that was kind of a metaphor. Those fake jewels, like that's her. She's all shiny on the outside. But we know because you can see how her mother is very cold and her father was cold to her. So we know that she's got issues Arabella has issues Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and she brings that shell necklace you know here's your necklace back Mm, I'm gonna give you this necklace back because I'm gonna take something else from you Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I didn't like her hairstyle at the end of the episode when they were sitting in uh, the like interrogation room with all those feathers Mm -hmm. and that I, I don't get it it was just sorry (laughs) what is your hair doing i don't wait. it's not working i mean for kudos me. to sophie robertson who plays arabella because i think she totally. absolutely nails that uh, yeah. i'm really really sweet and kind and lovely but i'm gonna stab you in the back if you do something yep. and you know i she has perfectly perfectly nailed that for me yes okay episode three is called the Hotel St. Mark. Uh, synopsis is Eliza's on the trail of a notorious con man and tracks him down to a hotel in the remote part of France. She believes she has finally caught Scotland Yard's most wanted man, but she's not the only hotel guest who wants to claim the reward. Thoughts? You go first, Susie. Oh, it was a fun episode. I thought it was a lot of fun, um, kind of like mm, Agatha Christie sort of, you know, the setting. The setting was, my first thought was back, because I'm a lot older than a lot of the fans probably was, uh, oh, goodness, the Jack Nicholson, um, you know, Shining. The Shining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had like, oh, it's going to be like that maybe. Or, um, <laughs> and I know a lot of fans were sad that William was not in this one. And I kept thinking William was going to show up. I kept thinking, oh, he's going to come now. He's going to come now. And he didn't come. But I thought it was fun. Um, it was a completely different kind of episode, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, very- it was very different to what we were used to. Yeah. I thought the episode, the case was really good. I just thought the episode, or I guess maybe the location, just, well, okay. The episode just didn't make sense in the world of Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Like, why France? Why was she alone? I I just didn't get any of it. I mean, it should have taken place in England somewhere. Ivy or Moses or even, I mean, like anybody should have come with her. I don't know why she was alone. And it just, it just didn't fit with the vibe of Miss Scarlet and the Duke. I mean, it just, was like it's a field trip (laughs) maybe it was like rectangle peg with the square hole it just kind of was like it didn't quite fit sort of but not really I mean I really enjoyed the case it was really clever that Eliza has the con man he's handcuffed she's like so certain she has the right man, but then he's like, no, you have the wrong man. And she was like, what do you mean? And then she meets him in Nash, and Nash is like, no, I have the Callan man. And then she goes, well, what do you mean? You know, so they have to play off each other and figure out who has the right con man. And so that's really clever. Um, they don't work quite as well together, like seamlessly, smoothly. They don't read each other's thoughts and like actions quite as well as Eliza and William, but they work. I want to say they don't, they work. I can't say good. That's a, they, they reluctantly. Work, well, I would say reluctantly. I was going to say they work well together, but they, what's less than well grammatically. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. You can't say they work good together. I guess they, you know, sorry. My mother is an English teacher. So, you know, you know, they work, they work okay together. You know, they work in tandem. They solve the case, but it's not as smoothly and as fun and as well as if William was there. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't expecting William to show up because it just, was such a jarring setting to me that I was like, oh, this just, it was kind of just like a buzzer hitting my brain every time that we were out in that like big main lobby with the stairs. And I'm like, I just, I don't understand the setting. It just, I don't know. It just didn't fit to me. The case was good. The case fit. I just, I guess the setting I don't know. It to me, episode three just I don't know. Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. I mean, I, Lindsay. Segway. 
<laughs> I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't I knew in advance that William wasn't in the episode, which I think was good because yeah. if I'd have hadn't known that he was not going to be in it, I think I would have spent the whole episode expecting him to turn up at some point and sort these two out because the one thing that is interesting is Eliza and Nash are so similar. They're so, the way they work, the way they behave, the way they don't necessarily work in it within the laws of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you say, the fact for me, it didn't quite work because it missed the other things that I love. I love Eliza trying to solve a case. I've got no issues with that. And that worked, like you say, the case worked fine. But I missed Moses. I missed Ivy. I missed William. I missed the other things that usually kind of because usually we can sit here when we talk about the episode and go oh what about this scene and what about this scene and what about this scene and because it was just Eliza and Nash for the whole episode as I was trying to kind of work out what I was going to say about the episode I was like I really struggle to kind of pick out oh I like that scene oh I like that scene oh I like that scene because it's just these two people so it kind of just molds into one big scene and you know I've got no issues with the story or the fact that it's Eliza and Nash I think I'm not sure I needed a whole episode of just Eliza and Nash because I don't know what the purpose of it was is it to make me change my my mind about Nash you know make us like him a bit more I don't really know because I kind of went I still think he's a little bit dodgy. I still don't agree with his methods. You know, when Eliza's there, how how come you're in France? And he's like, oh, well, I only got the, I only got it because, you know, I, I saw it on your pinboard. You've got pinboard in your office. And she's like, you broke into my office. And he's like, well, what else was I supposed to do? And in my head, <laughs> I'm literally going, oh my God, Nash, you are so dodgy. You you broke into her office and you're, you basically stopped. But then I kind of go, right, Lynn's first episode Eliza Moses breaks into the mortuary gets her clue and so it's that real kind of mind mess whereby I kind of go I don't it's not that I don't like Nash because I don't think he is a bad person and that is kind of proved in the episode he's not a bad person he's not malicious he's not got mean intent he is a, a decent bloke he's obviously he's got his own kind of sad story backstory with his brother you know it was nice to kind of find that out and and you know you kind of we kind of needed that because the way he's introduced in season two we're all kind of sitting here screaming going oh my god he's dodgy I still don't like the pressure that he puts on Eliza to come and work for him I don't really but that's my personal preference because I I kind of I want Eliza to kind of stick two fingers up to everybody and go hey I can do this by myself I don't need you and you know Nash is constant hey come work for me come work for me but even I think it towards the end of I think it's this episode towards the end of it and he's like brings it up again come and work for me and she's like will you stop because I'm just about starting to like you and I sit there and I think (laughs) I am so you Eliza I am I'm like I'm just kind of getting to okay I can cope with you Nash because you know you're you are genuinely a decent person um but stop with the come and work with me mate because like Eliza that's really annoying um but I appreciate that you know he does see 
a potential in Eliza. He sees that she is a good business proposal and he sees that she has skills. But I do, I did miss the other things in the episode, the other things that that kind of are what I love about, you know, Miss Scarlett and the Duke. It's not just Eliza solving a crime. It's it's all the other things that kind of make up the world that she is inhabits that I was kind of I kind of got to the end. The other thing I kind of found um, is the episode is very it's very nice. It's very flat. There's no danger per se, other than, of course, when they're tied up in, I'm assuming, the cellar. But there's no threat to life. There's no National Eliza don't clash in the way that William and Eliza do. And so because of that, you miss those kind of ebbs and flows of the scene changing on, you know, one minute Eliza and William are the best of friends, one minute they're arguing with each other, one minute they're trying to work together and they're figuring it out and then the next minute you're giving each other doe eyes and then they're arguing again and you never quite know what you're going to get with William and Eliza and when with their scenes. That with this episode it was it was very nice and so therefore when I got to the end of it I was kind of a bit like okay but what was what what was the point what does this move on what does this do to the rest of the story where does this fit within the whole rest of of the 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 story of season three because I guess I always like to look at the season as a whole as an episode on its own Mm -hmm. it's not it's not terrible it's not bad I didn't hate it I also didn't love it as much as I possibly could because I sit there and I go can you imagine if Ivy was there and and she sees Eliza's got you know this person cuffed to a bed? She'd be sitting there <laughs> reeling off the you know the law books. Do you know yeah. you can get yourself in you know in jail? And can you imagine Moses stomping around, kind of coming in and his you know with his grin, going, "Oh, we can't get out. There's there's all this snow and you know." And I did kind of pick out in the case. I kind of picked out the receptionist and the dodgy fake French accent. I was like, either you've hired somebody with a dodgy French accent thinking you can get away with it or he's got, he's meant to have the dodgy French accent and clearly he was. And the lady in the red dress, the second I saw her, because she's in that beautiful bright red dress, you're like, "Mm, I'm meant Mm -hmm. to notice you. I'm meant to know her because obviously she doesn't interact with anybody throughout the rest of the episode, really. And you're like, I'm meant to notice you. And again, the loud lawyer, when he comes in and he's all loud and everything, I'm like, I'm meant to notice you. So in that sense, I kind of, I don't usually figure it all out. And in that sense, I'm like, mm, the, you know, I, the key, three key things I'm meant to notice, I've I've noticed. So, you know, job done. I, I Okay, I, I get that. But yeah, I just mm. kind of, as I'm watching it, I'm kind of thinking, oh, but, you know, and 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 also I guess it kind of leaves you with that question of if Eliza gets to know Nash a little bit more, is is there something more that's gonna happen? And of course, as a William and Eliza fan, I don't want that. I don't want her kind of romantically involved with Nash. I want her romantically involved with William. So, you know, as a, a William and Eliza fan, it kind of it gets you it gets you kind of a little bit concerned. Why why do we why do the writers kind of feel that she needs a whole episode of her and Nash unless they're they're planning bigger things and so it kind of a bit like the end of the last episode two where you see Arabella come in and everything and you kind of I felt that kind of dangerous foreboding of oh 
this isn't this isn't going to go the way I want this to go is it this isn't going to end well and the same I kind of got that same feeling at the end of the the third episode with where Eliza and Nash are all very hey let's go have some breakfast together and I'm like oh this this doesn't this foreboding does not sit well with me (laughs) Um, so yeah yeah, I, I, that's my very long-winded take. Oh, we love your long-winded takes. It's fine. <laughs> Susie, <laughs> what, did, what were you going to say? I was so upset at episode two. I mean, it's ridiculous how upset I was. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think I can sleep. I was so upset about it because it was so painful to watch. Yeah. But I liked this episode because it was different. It was re- mm-hmm. It was just this, like you said, it was light. Um, it was funny, you know, with all these cast of characters, like I could picture like a, a like a dinner party, you know, how people <laughs> have like mystery dinner parties. Mm, and that's yeah. what it was like for yep. me. And um I think there's a purpose that I think Eliza and Nash, she barely begins to trust him. They have a little friendship starting, like just barely. I think that there there has to be a reason why. That happens, and and I a lot of the fans on the discussion on Facebook. I don't think there's a romance for them for Eliza and Nash, but I think there'll be a relationship. I, he admires her. He's amused by her. He sees how intelligent she is. Um, I think he realizes he needs her. Like if he wants his business, like she's this great asset. That's why he keeps you know asking her to join him, but. I think it's a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. I hope yeah, it I, remains a ro- a work relationship. Yeah, yeah I'm, I I'm fine. You, I can Susie. cope with it if it's a work yeah. relationship. I'm good with that. Yeah, I agree with you, Susie, that um, I think that we get to know Nash a little bit more and we start to see a thawing of the feelings towards Nash in a business sense and a friendly relationship sense that you know it's not going to be romantic I have from the beginning I have not said there's going to be a romance with Nash I just think it's purely business or there's going to be like a business like we've said business rival but I think it's going to be in a business sense friendly definitely not romance but I think this episode helped the fans see that there is more to Nash because we haven't really seen Nash solve crimes. We've just seen that he has solved them and he's getting in Eliza's way. Here in this episode, we've seen the step processes that um, he got to the one guy he was saying was the criminal and so we see that okay Nash is smart and clever and as good as Eliza Eliza's just better at it and so it shows that he does need Eliza and that you know he rightfully is you know admiring of her and so I think that it's good that we see you know okay they're gonna go get a breakfast burrito and juice and then also <laughs> you know in the local town and okay come on Patrick and yeah you know definitely not romantic rivals just friends you know getting a local latte and cinnamon buns and (laughs) 
I think he maybe would, how could he not? I mean, Eliza is beautiful. So mm-hmm. how could he not be, he's got to have some attraction. I mean, we don't know if he's single or, I mean, we assume he's single. He's single. We don't know. I, I feel like there's a backstory. Maybe he used to have a wife. I don't know, but I, I think he, I don't think they will have a romantic relationship, but I think if William wasn't around, he would pursue that because I think everybody, everybody can see that they like, you know, all the characters that we love know that there's something between them. And I'm sure Nash can see that. So, yeah, you know, I think. Yeah. And he's not out to be malicious towards Eliza. So he's not going to stand in their way, but maybe. Maybe, maybe we need Nat. Maybe Nat. Maybe Nat has a crush on William. <laughs> that would be one for the bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> after dark. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Nash and Moses. Maybe that's what they get up to in late nights. Sorry. <laughs> I think a lot of of uh, viewers would like. A, a jealous William, maybe just for a little bit. Don't prolong it. Yeah, she has toyed with us for three seasons. You know, <laughs> uh, we eventually yeah. do want them to to talk. And I think know. my only problem with jealous William is that he gets put upon an awful lot. Yeah, and I feel really bad. Like he wears his heart on his sleeve. He really does, and. You know, to me, I kind of think, oh, don't don't beat up on him too much. Yeah. You think he would turn, like, guy. emo and, like, brush his hair to one side, dye it all black, <laughs> get black eyeliner, and, like... Yeah, I think he really, he obviously, he does... emo have, William. He cares an awful lot about Eliza. I think that's the one thing is that has been clear from season one to season three is that he really does have a, have deep feelings for her. And I think watching him be jealous would just be like, you know, taking a knife to my heart, I think. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I also I don't mind if somebody's jealous, if it leads to something, if it means that we end up getting that lovely talk that kind of gets everything out in the open and kind of clears the air a little bit. Because I feel like a lot of things are so unsaid between them. Um, yeah. That. You know, they just I think need to all... get drunk and talk about text and talk <laughs> about it. Yeah, yeah. Get drunk and wake up to eat, uh, wake up with each other the next morning. Yeah. There you go. There, there there's you one go. for the uh, Miss Scarlet. After dark. <laughs> okay, so oh. any thoughts about the first half of the season that we want to talk about? We're not talking about the last half of the season. Just it's a bumpy ride. I think yeah. it, it feels very very bumpy in the sense we got a quite a, a nice like happy episode in episode one episode two was a bit like you know stabbing yourself in the gut it was very painful to watch and then kind of episode three was a bit more up but not quite because obviously we we didn't have William in it and uh I think quite a few fans like missed him a little bit um yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a very up and down, and then uh, I, I I sense the rest of the season might continue to be a little bit bumpy. Yeah, Susie. Uh, mixed, definitely mixed. I think what Lindsay said, I feel the same. Um, I you know we 
I think we're getting frustrated at this point, the, the shippers, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> definitely I was, I was frustrated. Yeah. This I'm, I can't wait for season four though. I can't, she's, I'm so hooked. You know, I, I, yeah. can't wait. I saw that it, I saw that it's, you know, that there is a season four. So I'm so excited. There is yeah. a season four and they obviously posted some, some rap pictures. So uh, we, we know that it's definitely filmed. Um, no idea in terms of, you know, when more but yeah, yeah when or but yeah. yeah I'm I'm excited for season four I'm also really nervous to be excited yeah. about season four, but again another podcast for that one yep I just felt like the first three episodes kind of felt more like season one with the cases just mm-hmm. really good cases the working together cases. yeah and They're just bigger cases I think yeah. that was the one thing that I took when season three was kind of announced and, and PBS put the episode descriptions up on their website. The one thing I took from it was Eliza's got some pretty big cases. Like she's grown. Her business yeah, but grown she's and good for her. She's not gotten paid for any of them. Mm-hmm. Well, this is true. This is <laughs> another one. I don't like to go back to episode three just for a second. Again, Eliza and, and Nash, they walk out very happy that the Mr. French person has kind of taken over the case and it's his case now and everything. And I'm like, are we maybe, getting paid? <laughs> maybe <laughs> uh, Nash will float her alone. Maybe. Uh, hmm. He seems to have spent an awful lot of money. He's got a fanfare back at the train station. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll be he'll phone ahead and say give put Eliza's name on the banner too so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah I, that's that's the other thing that I instantly thought I was like do you two you look very happy for two people that I'm not entirely convinced they're actually getting paid but okay yeah again she's not getting paid well we assume we don't know it's very uh, unclear <laughs> I did love her pin board though. That is the pin board of dreams. Oh, I love I mean, that. Yes. It yes. reminded me of um, Sherlock. Yes. Yes, it did. And when we got a screenshot of the season three pin board or mm-hmm. episode three pin board in the Facebook group, we put the screenshot up and we said, what do you think the case is about? And the fan group just had, oh, we, we shot out all these ideas. Oh, there is a drawing of maybe that's William. Maybe yeah. William got kidnapped, and or maybe she, William did something. And it's just it was amazing. So is he if you're not get in the fan group, time? yeah, maybe if you're in the fan, you're not in the fan group. Join the fan group. Trust me, we we have some really wild theories on some things. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So lots of fun, lots of fun. (laughs) Crazy time. Um, so I think this wraps up our podcast episode on season three, episode one, two, and three. Susie, thank you for joining us. This was really great. Thank you. I have been looking forward to this and I so appreciate you letting me come and give my little opinions. So no problem. It was great. Thank you for joining us. Um, so thank you, um, everybody who listening next time. It'll 
most likely be season three, episodes four, five, and six. So join us next time for that fun conclusion. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin McLeod. Incomatech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribute 4.0, license HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash.